This is Matt Rudlinger, the owner of Triple R Marketing, and you're listening to The App Guy. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, The App Guy. Welcome to episode 479 of The App Guy podcast. It's Paul Kemp. I've got an episode where I chat with the founder. He's the CEO. He's been in business for years and years. Great entrepreneur. I've learned a huge amount from from, uh, John Paul, his name is, or JP. He is the founder of Venue Next. Uh, This is a huge business and it's really mobile first as well. They've done a a wonderful job at overcoming lots of technological challenges. So if you have technical challenges in your new business, your startup, uh, you'll learn a lot from uh, John Paul, JP. Uh, He's also, he talks a lot about uh, leaving a corporate job, uh, the risks and rewards of that process. So if you're undergoing that decision right now, then this will be uh, helpful to you. A great episode talking about tech startups, careers, Uh, I think you'll learn a lot from JP. Uh, Before I go into the episode, let me just take a moment to thank my sponsors. Uh, First is TopTal. Now, uh, toptal.com forward slash Paul is the URL. Uh, They are a network of developers, designers. They've been pre-vetted. Pre-vetted, so that means they've gone through a rigorous process of vetting. Only 3% or less make it through this vetting process. But what it means is the developers can speak great English, so obviously are good to communicate. They are very used to using most tools uh, that you will need to communicate, whether it's Slack, Trello, Basecamp, uh, anything that involves uh, communicating, they could use your tools and it almost feels like they're part of the team with you and they can jump onto a project, they can help you, they can steer you in the right direction, uh, be an inspiration to you as well. These guys are top class. Uh, It's something great about getting a great developer. So for your project, for your app build, go to toptal.com forward slash Paul, toptal.com forward slash Paul. That will give you access to their network. You'll be able to get through to a great developer and you'll get a two week trial where if it doesn't quite work out you can get the developer paid for you and you can continue working with them on it with another developer so it's a a really wonderful company they mean what they say when they talk about having a great network thank you very much to TopTile for supporting this episode next is GummyCube GummyCube.com is the place to go to for App Store optimization for the world's best app store optimization keyword search they're using a data that is pulled from the app stores and we know that uh, over 60 percent at least of app searches are within the app store so if you want to be discovered if you want to be found downloaded you need to go to gummycube.com gummycube.com they do rely on datacube which is their own proprietary software for pulling out all the data from the app stores Uh, gummycube.com is the place to go to and thank you very much to gummycube for continuing to support the show so let's uh, jump over then to my episode with jp from venue next welcome to another episode of the app guy podcast i'm your host it's paul kemp this is the show where i go around the world and i handpick the best guests that we can find to help us with our own app entrepreneur journeys our own with our own side projects our own uh, making of things and uh, today 
I have uh, you know a great guest because this is uh, the founder and CEO of Venue Next. Venue Next, it's uh, John Paul, or referred to him as JP John Paul, and he is uh, the founder CEO. Thanks very much, John Paul, for joining us. Oh, very much. Thank you very much for having me on. It's great. Now, how how should I, how do people refer to you, John? First, was it JP or John Paul? JP. That's how I like to go. It it uniquely names me. You know, uh, otherwise there's other people you think of, like the Pope. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> John Paul, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, t- t- JP, tell us about um, Venue Next then. What, what are you, have you got going on at Venue Next? Sure, sure. So, Venue Next um, is a company that we started uh, a little less than three years ago. <clears throat> um, what happened was the, the San Francisco 49ers and the U.S. football team uh, were building the new stadium, Levi Stadium, right in the middle of Silicon Valley and said, uh, what's this stadium going to be all about? Well, since we're here, it should be the most technologically advanced, and let's see how much we can improve the fan experience because our competition to a live venue is the couch at home and the television, and that's a pretty good experience. But there's kind of nothing that beats you know, a live venue experience, but there's lots of headaches as it relates to going to one. So could we use technology to one, improve the fan experience of going, and then secondly, could we improve the business of the venue um, through knowing who was in the venue? Because it turns out that most venues have no idea who's in the stands. You know, they sell tickets to an event, but until we kind of get everyone using mobile tickets, you don't really know who's holding that ticket. You know, it's a great anonymizer. Uh, they think they sold me a ticket, but I hand it to you and you walk in. If they rely on who they sold it to, they'll think I'm at the venue and it's really you. So from the very beginning, we wanted to take advantage of a few uh, things that were, the timing was just perfect. One, the smartphone had really become ubiquitous and had um, captured, you know, it's, it's the most important device now in people's lives. Um, and yet when you would go to a, a, a venue, generally, they don't work very well. And that's generally because the venue hasn't put enough networking capacity you know, at the live venue. Um, especially when you pack in 70,000 people into a relatively small space. So the first thing that we had to do was, was get the networking up to, up to par. And we did that with two networks, right? One is an improved Wi-Fi network. So at Levi Stadium, there are 1,200 uh, access points now spread around the stadium, kind of lower the power to get rid of the interference. And the other thing is, since we went to 5 gigahertz uh, and phones like the iPhone and Android phones started to support that band, there were enough non-overlapping radio frequencies that you could really achieve great connectivity with 70,000 people around you. So first it was, put a great Wi-Fi network in. Aruba helped us do that. Secondly, let's put a great, what they call a DAS system, distributed antenna system. Um, This is a system that uh, lets you bring 4G uh, into the stadium and have enough antennas and roaming for that to work. And then you hook that up to, you know, Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile. So first we had to do that. Then we had to bring lots of bandwidth so there's 40 gigabits of bandwidth in and out of uh, Levi Stadium. It's probably the, it's the most 
connected stadium in the world. Um, and then what we did was we, we basically uh, created a platform and integrated every system of the stadium, and that meaning from ticketing. So we integrated with Ticketmaster so you could have a mobile ticket to access control. So we built a, a, a hardware device that when you come in, you scan in, um, and that grants you access and checks to make sure your ticket's valid and tells the stadium who just arrived and where they arrived. We integrated it with all the points of sale system inside the stadium. That, that, that way we could enable mobile ordering of food and drinks and merchandise um, right to your seat. Or we could allow express pickup where you could at least do it ahead and speed your time through line. Um, <clears throat> and Levi Stadium was the first stadium in the world ever to allow all 70,000 people at that first game to order a hot dog and a beer right to their seat. And we now do that on a regular basis in less than six minutes to the entire stadium. Wow. Wow. I'm going to jump in here, George. So this is sure. a, a absolutely a phenomenal going through the technological achievements you've, you've had to put in to, to uh, make your business work. I'd love to just take a moment to reflect on the three years ago before you started your journey. Uh, what were you doing before you started this business? Did you have to quit a corporate job? Did you, were you, yes, were I, you I, I quit a corporate job. I was at uh, Dish Network, the satellite company. I'd actually gotten there when they acquired uh, Sling Media. So you might be familiar with the Slingbox, or many of your viewers familiar with the Slingbox. That was a company and a product that I that I worked on uh, at Sling, and they acquired uh, Dish Network had acquired Sling, and I was in the process of of integrating all the Sling boxes into all the Dish Network set top boxes, and also um, a product that's out today called Sling TV was the last product I worked on, which allows you for twenty dollars a month to to basically have a uh, television service. You know that uh, you don't have to have somebody sign up; you just use your own devices, and it. It has ESPN and all those. You don't need your satellite or cable uh, box anymore, and you can watch TV anywhere. So what we'd, we'd love to do is uh, there's people listening to this right now who are uh, potentially thinking about their future, uh, what to do. How did you overcome maybe the fear of going down the path of running your own business as opposed to you know an employee in a in a corporate job? Sure. Well, one is I've done it a few times. So this is the really the fourth business that I started or helped start. So I'd, I've worked in both a small business and, uh, and a corporate business. And they both you know, have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, I'd, I'd say my advice, if you're thinking about uh, leaving a corporate job, you know, it's a riskier venture, but it's a more rewarding uh, venture. Uh, probably the most important thing you got to think about is, do you have a business model behind your idea that will let you fund and build your company over time? Many people have a have maybe a great product idea, but uh, if they don't think hard enough about how does that business 
succeed with that product, uh, then they're they're hurting their chances of long-term success. That, that's wonderful. Yeah. So you actually, your advice, just to summarize, is to because we we have had people uh, who listen to this show and have changed their career path. A good, your advice is it is a riskier option, but it's so much more rewarding. How is it more rewarding for you, JP? What's what are the rewards? Yeah. Well. Well. You know. There's there's obvious financial rewards if you do well and you're the founder and you know you own a significant piece of the company it becomes valuable but i think more importantly what you get to do every day matters to you and um you know in corporations lots of time half the things you're doing matter to someone else and you have to do it because the corporation wants you to um you don't tend to be very close to the business uh you know there's there's people that work at a big corporation and you can ask them, well, what were the revenues last quarter for your company? Something that probably everybody should kind of know. And most people go, geez, I don't know. Because they're so, they're, they're compartmentalized into their function and think a lot about that, but, but don't get to experience kind of a business on its whole and making sure you're doing the right thing for your customers and that your customers are happy. Um, I th- I'd say that's the most rewarding for me is I love to visit customers who trusted us early on and we've uh, delivered on the promises and they're happy and they're, you know, they sing our praises to other customers. That's a very rewarding uh, thing to do in the market. It sounds so inspirational, JP, I have to say. And this is your fourth business you've set up. What guidance could you give for anyone who's maybe setting up their first business from all the the times that you've learned uh, in terms of setting up? Well, pick your partners very carefully. (laughs) Right, The people you start with, make sure you know them quite well because it's a stressful thing and you have to – have each other's back and be comfortable that uh, you're in it together. I think that's one important thing. Uh, I think another one is, okay, how are you going to fund it? How are you going to pay people? I mean, it's great. Um, Most businesses, when you start them and you talk to most people, they'll say, I don't know about that. I wouldn't necessarily do that. That's not a bad thing because uh, you're probably ahead of them. You know, it's a riskier thing. That's okay. Take, take the risk. If you in your heart, if you have passion for your idea and you believe you have a better solution than others that are out there uh, and you stick to it, you will probably succeed. I mean, why do you not succeed? You run out of money. So that, that, that's one thing you got to avoid. Or you get in it with the wrong people and you're not having any more fun and you leave it because the chemistry is no longer right. Um, you know, and there's some times when, okay, your idea just wasn't, wasn't good enough to catch fire, but I'll bet you those first two reasons are much more the reason for failure than that. You don't have a a reasonably good idea. JP, it feels like we're getting some excellent advice here. And I, I wondered, is it easier? I'm guessing from a funding perspective, when you reach out to, source funding it must be easier the fourth time around with a track record it is much easier in other words that's probably the hardest 
you know, when, when people look to invest in your company, they first, you know, first they want to make sure, okay, I like this idea. Hmm, I think this market is big. That means we can grow and, and make money. And then the last thing is, you know, kind of, do I believe in this team? Do I believe this team can execute? Um, and so, you know, that's what you got to have. Now, I, I was very fortunate in that the, the San Francisco 49ers basically helped us get started and gave us the world's, you know, newest, brightest, shiniest uh, venue to show what we could do. You know, if, if, if they hadn't done that, it would have been much harder because I would have gone to them, you know, and said, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And they'd say, well, go somewhere else. And if it works, then come back here and we'll do it. Um, but then once we launched and we could show everyone at Levi's what we were doing, then it was very easy, one, to get investment, to get other uh, sports teams to want to work with us because they could come and touch it and knew that it worked. So we had taken the technical risk out of the business. You know, there's kind of those two things. There's technical risk. Can you build what you say you're going to build and will it work? And then there's business risk. So if you do that, will people buy it? Will you generate enough cash to keep operating your business? And that, that's the second thing that comes usually. You know, after you put a lot of blood and sweat and tears and, and money into it, and uh, once you solve those two things, then raising money is relatively easy. So I hope you're enjoying this episode with JP from Venue Next. Uh, let me just take a moment to thank my sponsors, uh, TopTal. TopTal are a network of the world's best designers, developers. So you may be a startup founder working on um, by yourself, but need some extra help. And you may be asking yourself, uh, we need a person on our team. We need someone to be able to augment our team. We need a person to be able to pick up this project and run with it. Uh, we need someone that we can trust who can come into our Slack group and can help with the development of our app. If that is a conversation you're having, then you need TopTal because TopTal will very quickly set you up with a world-class developer or designer. It's on a remote basis. You'll be able to work with them with whatever communication tools you tend to use. And uh, they are great because they've been vetted to a very high standard. Uh, they reject 97% plus of the developers that go through their books. It means that they've ended up with a very high caliber of individual that you get to work with. And it will feel that that person is part of your team from your perspective. Uh, they will uh, jump in and work with you in any way you feel uh, relevant. And it's the one theme from TopTile that makes them different, that sets them apart. And it's why they've grown into a, a really wonderful, big company that can help you. And in fact, if you think about the process of finding a developer, we know that it can take months and months to find the right developer for your team. You may have an app that has to be built really urgently and they can typically find you the right person within a two week time frame. Uh, so it's really a great alternative to the normal recruiting process. In fact, many of the clients that have worked with them have seen profiles of developers within 24 hours. Uh, so if you want to get access to this service, I highly recommend going to this URL because you'll get uh, an up to two week trial to test them out, work with the developer, see if it's a good fit. Go to toptal.com forward slash pool 
toptile.com forward slash Paul, all lowercase, or alternatively, send me an email and I'll introduce you to my insider. That's toptile.com forward slash Paul, or send me an email, paul at theappguy.co, and I'll do an introduction for you. Thank you so much to Toptile for supporting this episode. Next is Gummy Cube. Gummy Cube help increase downloads by finding your audience for your app. App Store optimization has become the new standard for mobile app marketing, and Gummy Cube have pioneered, and I mean pioneered, the drive towards App Store optimization. I know this. I interviewed with the founder years ago. They've jumped on board and supported the podcast ever since, and they were at the forefront of App Store optimization, and they've built Gummy Cube. Gummy Cube is great when it comes to App Store optimization. You can get more downloads by appearing within relevant searches for keywords and you'll find the keywords that are most suited and best for downloads and they improve conversions with accurate data so they're not pulling data from the web services like google they are going into the app stores and pulling mobile data which we know is going to be remarkably different the way we use our phones is different to the way we use our desktops right They are the experts in mobile marketing and app store optimization. They're trusted by thousands of developers to manage their mobile app marketing and app store optimization needs. Uh, Do go to the best. It's gummycube.com, gummycube.com. They are great when it comes to app store optimization. You'll need to request a demo. Uh, You can mention that you've come through the App Guy podcast with Paul Kemp. Uh, I know the founders and uh, they'll really look after you. So it's GummyCube.com, and thank you to GummyCube for supporting this episode. So let's return to the episode then with uh, JP, a founder of Venue Next. Uh, we're learning so much from you, JP, and uh, one of the things I'm learning, which I think that others can really uh, take take away from this episode, is the idea of working with some kind of flagship company, flagship stadium in your case, so, you know, and, and then that will have a ripple effect with, I guess, new business because that gives you the proof uh, that you exactly. need. Exactly. In fact, it was our strategy from the beginning. So uh, fundamentally when we started, it was all about Levi's Stadium. And it was like, get that right. And if, and if we launch and everything goes well, then we'll announce the company and we'll go uh, look for other customers. Um, and luckily, everything went well. And we did. And you know now we're... We also have a strategy to go after the top brands of the world. So we're, you know, we're at Yankee Stadium. We're doing, um, you know, that's probably the best sports brand in the United States worldwide. Um, you know, we're opening the new Minnesota Vikings Stadium uh, this September. We're with the Orlando Magic, which are probably the most innovative sports team uh, from what I've come to learn from them. Um, we're at the we were at the Kentucky Derby, and we did Churchill Downs. So our strategy has been, to, when you're small too, you can't bite off too much, right? You, you've got to grow the company and at the same time not overextend yourself. Or we used to like to say, get, get too far in front of your skis. So you, you want to make sure you're, you're building your brand, you're building your business, but not taking on so many customers too fast that you'll fail. And that's the it, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about a few things you've just mentioned there. One, the importance of building a brand. Uh, Venue Next is a very good name. Uh, how uh, hard was it for you to, to build the brand? Come up with a name. 
and find find uh, you know the domain and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Well, it turns out we the domain only cost us fourteen dollars. We, <laughs> we so we, we worked hard on the name. Uh, I'm not sure. I remember when we decided on it. You know, not everybody thought it was the greatest name, but it's actually turned out to be quite a good name. Maybe. I wish it didn't start with a V because we're always at the bottom of the list. But other than that, it, it, it tells what we do, right? We're really creating the next generation venue. Um, and then, of course, it takes great PR. And uh, I was lucky enough to have worked with uh, Louise previously, and she helped me launch another one of those companies. And, uh, and with her and with the 49ers, and with those companies I named, it was it was easy to get the attention of the world um, at what we were doing. Uh, I would say Levi Stadium and the 49ers, you know, helped us tremendously. Then, you know, just this past February, the Super Bowl was there, and we, we built the app for the NFL, and that helped propel us further into um, people being aware. But that's an important thing for young companies is they have they have to make they have to get awareness in the market that they exist it's, pr it's probably the biggest um, downside when you start a company like so you work for a big company it's got a great brand and when you call someone on the phone and say hey I'm with whatever they go oh yes 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 you know and they want to talk to you because of your brand now you start your little company and you call up and you say I'm with you know this little company name, and they're like, they don't even return your calls because <laughs> they don't know who you are. Uh, they don't treat you very nicely, um, the bigger companies. So yeah, it's crucial that, uh, that you build the brand and that it represents what you do uh, you know, f for your long-term success. Well, JP, if anyone's listening to this and they don't have the luck that you had with the domain name, we, we are supported by a, a wonderful sponsor called Brand Bucket, who uh, actually does uh, names uh, pre prepared and, and all the logos and things and makes it easier for you. Uh, the other challenge I'm often asked by uh, the people that listen to the, the Appster Tribe, you know, the listeners to this show, uh, is is actually finding uh, developers and designers that can overcome some of the technical challenges. You had huge technical challenges to overcome. Mm -hmm. How did you flesh out your team and find the the right quality talent for your, um, you know, for your expansion? Yeah, luck luckily for me, um, because I have been doing this a long time, I've worked with people along the way, and so I was able to call on them. So the core team at Venue Next, the first. 30 or so people are all people that I had worked with previously who I could call up and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Are you interested? And they they would all be happy to come and join. And what helped there is not only was it easy, I knew exactly who I was getting and, and their strengths, but also they had worked together previously, so the teamwork was already there, and that, that helped a lot. So... I've been lucky in very many ways with Venue Next. Yeah, uh, you reminded me of my uh, days in, in the city working in finance and, and these great teams of investors would just go around following the lead uh, fund manager. And um, it just shows the importance of the network that you're building, uh, even if you are 
working now, the people around you could become very important to your aspirations in the future. Yes, in fact, probably if you're thinking you want to be an entrepreneur, there's probably nothing more important than at, in all the jobs you do before you decide to do that, that you maintain those relationships and, and critically think about the best people you've worked with and, uh, and be ready to, to call on them. Because if you've got a good vision and you've worked with people previously, and they like you and you like them, it's, you know, you, you, it, it's, a, it's a fun thing to do and, and relatively easy. So there's two more things then we need to do before we say goodbye to you, JP. One is that the lifestyle of an entrepreneur is often uh, uh, something that fascinates people. And I just wondered if you could try to give us some sense of where you focus most of your time uh, you know, give us a sense whether it's raising funds uh, for funding or or building out the team or HR. You know, give give us a sense of where you spend most of your time. Sure, sure. In the early days, because I'm a product and a and an engineer by background, it was about my energy all went into creating a great product. But I'd say uh, then for the last year or so, it's been much more about fundraising. Um, so you've, you've got to, your first job as a CEO is to keep the money there so you can employ the team and, and, and fulfill the mission. So fundraising is a big piece. Um, I've spent more time, you know, with customers and on the sales efforts. And then uh, lately, especially, spent a lot of time on building the team. So we're, you know, we started off very small and now there's more than 90 of us. And so um, that takes a lot of time to to um, hire that group and to, and then to also uh, make sure you help everybody uh, work well together. Yeah, well, again, that's why we're supported by uh, TopTal on this show that uh, finds great developers. And uh, but nine, wow, that's amazing. So, JP, the the final thing then is that uh, we would like to know. Um, for those who are looking to get into technology, uh, become their own founder of a tech startup, in all your experience, I mean, is it really worth it? You know, because uh, it sounds like hard work. Uh, would you advise it? And if you, uh, since you are advising it, what what type of people would you suggest try to fill your shoes uh, with the companies of the future? Sure. Well, I would say that it's very demanding on your personal time. Right, it, it consumes you. Um, um, it, you know, some people that have a corporate job are quite good at night of turning that off, because you know whether they're there or not, the corporation will continue. But when you're the entrepreneur that's a founder and, and starts something, you know you've you've got to be there all the time, um, and uh, it's it's kind of your baby, and uh, it's it's a much more personal and emotional thing. So you have to be someone that likes that. Do you want to spend most of your waking hours thinking and working on your business or not? Do you want to spend most of your weekends thinking about your business if, uh, or your product? If, if that's what you like to do, then it's a great lifestyle. But if you don't want to make that dedication, then I think it can be very hard. Uh, on people personally. 
what what a great episode. I'm just looking back at all the things that we've learned from you. JP, it's, it's just so, so great. Now, there will be full show notes. It is uh, theappguy.co episode 479, theappguy.co episode 479 for, for everyone to go and uh, have a look and get connections to you, Venue Next. In the meantime, JP, how can people reach, reach out to you and your company? What is the best way of getting in touch? Sure. Well, our website is venuenext.com, and you can come and see, uh, see a few videos of what we do and, and learn more. And then also, the uh, best way would be to send us an email at info at venuenext.com. I personally get those. A number of my staff gets those, and we answer everyone. And, and for any potential clients that are listening as well, what sort of clients are you looking for next? I'm, I'm guessing it's uh, brands that are uh, running uh, stadiums. Yes, but we're, we're expanding beyond sports entertainment. Just as a last piece, we're, we're also looking into the, the hospitality market. So what we do actually applies to a big, complicated hotel. Um, or or in, actually in the healthcare market, if you think about going especially to visit someone who's in the healthcare system. They are complicated things. They kind of look a lot like a stadium. They may not have as many people in them, but uh, in the end, right, we, we tend to help people, you know, get their way into a venue, get around the venue, eat while they're there, do something else related to being there and get home. And so that applies equally well in hospitality and healthcare. And we have some very big customers that we can't announce yet, but are we're working to bring our solutions there as well. That's what I love about technology. That's why I've set this podcast up is to meet founders like yourself, uh, really breaking down traditional businesses and, and bringing everything to the next level, uh, the next uh, generation of um, things things so jp thank you so much for joining us on the app guide podcast uh, really really wish you all the best and hey maybe uh, you'll go global after you've conquered the u.s and you'll start to tackle wembley stadium and some of the other big stadiums uh, wimbledon maybe yes yes well we have a man in london and we are and, and we're working with hp in europe to do exactly that right now so uh thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure to talk to you yeah, all the best. Okay, bye-bye.